family meeting. Um, we're going to see about God's gifts, uh, growing the church, helping the church to be equipped, and the leaders in God's church. And so this is going to help us set our minds. So Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16. Friends, listen. This is God's word. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives and He gave gifts to men. In saying He ascended, what does it mean but that He also had descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the Word of God. I love this passage of the Bible. I really do. I love it because... Um, Paul, the author here, Paul is telling the story of Jesus by borrowing from one of the Psalms in the Old Testament. Okay, verse 9, this thing about ascending on high and leading hosts, uh, leading a host of captives. This is a quote from Psalm, verse, uh, Psalm 68, verse 18. And it's a victory psalm of King David. Okay, this is a psalm that David spoke, that, that David wrote, that he taught Israel to sing during a time of victory. Okay? And, and the image here is that David, the king of Israel, has gone to war. Okay? He has gone to war and he has led his army in a battle against his enemies. And God has given him victory. And so Jerusalem was, the capital city of Israel was up on a hill. And so David descended with his army to go and do battle. And part of David's mission wasn't just to defeat the enemy, but it was actually to set free captives from Israel. Some of his own people were enslaved. Some of his own people were trapped in bondage. And David went and with his army destroyed his enemies and he set those captives free. And so what we're seeing here is a song about what happens next. David comes home, presumably at the head of this grand parade. This amazing parade that was a celebration of the victory of God over his enemies. 
and in the train. So David is coming and all the people are hailing him, shouting his name, singing praises to God, who is the deliverer, by whose strength Israel gets the victory. And David comes, and as he leads his people, all the crowds are cheering and shouting. It's like a ticker tape parade kind of thing, right? I mean, that would be the modern image of this. And David is at the front, and behind him is this long line of captives. Only they're not captives anymore. They've been set free because of David's work on their behalf, because of the army of Israel coming and doing battle. And so you have this ragtag group of people, right? They're not much to look at because they've been in bondage. They've been in slavery. They've been held captive and they've just been set free. But they are, they're, they're walking, they're following their king. And they're ascending back up the mountain to the capital city of Jerusalem where the king lives, where God lives, right? In the midst of his people. And though they don't look like much, they are grinning from ear to ear because they are free. Because they are free. Are you with me? You get the image. Like this is what Psalm 68 is all about. It's this celebration of the victory of King David by the power of God over his enemies, setting his people free. And it's like Paul, in describing the work of Jesus, says, oh my goodness, I got the best illustration for you. If you want to know what Jesus has done for us, just think about King David returning from battle. And this is what he says, right? It says... When he ascended, in verse 9, what does it mean but that he also descended in the lower regions, the earth? And he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And what Paul is doing here is he's preaching the gospel. He's saying that Jesus descended from heaven and came to earth. Jesus came and did battle with the enemies, with Satan, with sin, with brokenness, with abuse, with addiction. Jesus went head-to-head with all of the things that destroy life, with everything that robs you of peace, with everything that causes brokenness in your relationships. Jesus descended into the earth. He came to us and lived among us. And then he descended even further into the grave where he did the ultimate battle, with sin, where he took our punishment. He took your punishment. He took the power of sin and evil onto himself, and he died, paying the price. But he didn't stay there, because he who descended is also he who ascended up into the heavens. Jesus was raised from the dead, and Jesus ascended into heaven, just like David back up the mountain to Jerusalem. Jesus ascended the mountain up into heaven, And there he reigns. There Jesus reigns in perfection. There Jesus has earned all the blessings of heaven. Everything that we want this life to be, it's like that up there. And Jesus entered into that glorious victory celebration in heaven. Paul says that when Jesus did this, when he got to heaven and received the blessings of heaven, he stopped, he turned around, and he dumped those blessings on the church. He received the blessings of heaven and he poured them out on the church. 
And so as Paul is telling this story, as Paul's communicating about the victory of Jesus over sin, over death, over hopelessness, over addiction, Paul is saying here that Jesus also shares the spoils of victory. Jesus gives gifts that create gifts. That's what we're going to see. The bottom line that we're going to see in this passage is that Jesus gives gifts to the church to make you a gift to the church. That's what this passage is about. Jesus gives gifts to the church to make you a gift to the church. So if you feel meaningless, Jesus is going to give you meaning. The first gift that Jesus gives is his grace. Jesus gives, gift number one is his grace. And so we see God's gift, uh, God's gift of grace is God's favor. This is verse seven. It says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is grace? Grace is God's favor. Grace is God's favor, that he welcomes you back, that when God looks at you, he's not disappointed. When God looks at you, he is proud to call you his father. When you trust in Jesus, God forgives you, God adopts you into his family. Right? That's the message. That's the image that we were apart from God. We were dead in our sins, and yet Jesus came to save us. And in that victory march, God says, as Jesus comes up, God says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then this ragtag bunch of followers, right? These Christians follow Jesus in the train of his victory. And God says, my son, my daughter, my son, my daughter, my daughter, my son, my son, you, yes, you, even you are my daughter. So we have God's favor and it has nothing to do with anything that we do. We simply trust in Jesus and God adopts us into his family. We have God's favor. God's grace is his favor. And it's interesting because God's grace also gives us not just his favor, but it gives us spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Let me show you a different passage that uses these same words, but in a little different way. This is Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Right? It's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 7. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So having gifts then that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. And here Paul begins to list some of the spiritual gifts that Jesus gives to people who follow him. If serving in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so here we see that when you become a Christian, when you begin to follow Jesus... God gives you his favor, but he also gives you a spiritual gift. He gives you the ability to manifest the presence and the power of Jesus in a special way. If you are trusting in Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. This is not an exhaustive list. There's a few different lists in the New Testament. None of them are the same. 
Um, but there are different ways that God gives you his grace in a way that enables you then to be able to be like Jesus in specific ways. Now, how do you know what that is? How do you know what your gifts are? Well, this leads us to the other kind of gift that God gives to, uh, gives to us, that Jesus gives to us. Gift number two are his leaders. God's grace gives us spiritual leaders. Verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And so Jesus has given leaders to the church as a gift. The apostles and the prophets, they laid the foundation for the church in the first century. Evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, these are the elders and the pastors today who are called by Jesus to bless the church. And verse 12 tells us what the purpose of this is. And it's interesting because um, the purpose of the elders, the purpose of the pastors, the purpose of God's grace and his favor, it's all tied to the same thing. These two kinds of gifts, God's favor and his leaders, they're both designed for one purpose. And that purpose the purpose of Jesus' gifts is spiritual maturity. It's spiritual maturity. This is what it says. If you look at verse 12, these leaders are given, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And this is what it's for. And so pastors elders, the leaders in the church, their purpose is not to be high and lifted up. Their purpose is actually to serve you by equipping you so that you can do works of ministry, so that you can serve other people. How do they do that? Well, typically we help you understand God's grace. Right? The second gift of leaders helps you understand the first gift of God's grace. Part of my job is to make sure you know that you have God's favor, that you understand his blessings in your life, and that you would understand your spiritual gifts so that you can do the work of the ministry. This is part of why we're having our family meeting at the end of our service. It's a way that we can share with you news, things that are going on that we are doing to help equip you for the work of the ministry. New leaders who will help all of us be equipped for the work of the ministry. But the purpose of all of this is so that we would grow up. That we would grow up spiritually. To verse 13, to a mature manhood. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Right? The idea here is that when you believe in Jesus, you become a spiritual infant. You're born again to a living hope. And God rejoices in your spiritual life. And then he sets you on a path. He wants you to grow. And the purpose of the church, one of the purposes of the church, is that all of us would work together to help each other in that maturing process. The leaders are there and are called to do this. But we're called to equip you so that all of us 
can work together to help each other grow. That's what verse 16 says. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so the trajectory, the purpose of the church, the purpose of leaders in the church are to help you to grow spiritually. So that you go from being a spiritual infant to being a spiritual child. To go from being a spiritual child to being a spiritual teenager. To go from being a spiritual teenager to a spiritual adult. And then ultimately, our goal for you is that you would become a spiritual parent. Right? That you would grow up having been discipled, having been parented by others in the church so that you would grow up to a place where you then can turn around and have spiritual influence on others. And this whole process, this whole process is this amazing functioning together that Paul thinks is so amazingly intricate and systems integrated that he compares it to the human body. The human body that has the circulatory system, the respiratory system, the muscular system, the skeletal system. All these different systems work together. And when it's working right, the body grows. The body grows. And so, for you, for you today, as we look at this passage, Jesus died and rose again so that you could be spiritually reborn, so that you could have a relationship with God, and so that you could find a measure of hope in you being an integral part of the, of the church, an integral part of the family of God. And all of us are working together to try to understand, in one word, God's grace. God's grace. Because your spiritual gifts manifest the grace of Jesus. God's favor is upon us all. And the reality is that in the busyness of life and the challenges and the difficulties, we forget. We forget God's grace. We forget, and we need each other. How many times have you been in a place that was not good, and someone came alongside a friend, encouraged you, prayed for you, um, came alongside you, and all of a sudden, man, it was just different. The burden was a little bit lighter. Right? The burden went away. This is how the body works. This is how the body works. For those of you who are here and aren't Christians, this is part of the joy of being in the family. This is a place where you are known and loved. And Jesus invites you in. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn your way in. It's about grace. It's about grace that Jesus has purchased for us in his death and resurrection. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We love you for the way that you have made us right with you. You've joined us together as a family. And we pray, Lord, that this vision to be a body, to care for each other, to love each other, that we would grow even deeper into this. Lord, help us to understand our spiritual gifts. Help us to talk with our friends, to know and discern how is it that we manifest you? How is it that we can remind people of what you're like? Lord, lead us deeper uh, into relationships with each other so we can be a stronger family, 
that's knit even closer together so that our needs are met, so that love grows, and so that our church would grow. We pray this in your name. Amen.